0: It's my joy and privilege to be with you, and as Nick's uh, alluded to, I'm a bit of a Scottish imposter. Um, My my accent's kind of a a mix between the the actor Liam Neeson and it's slowly uh, merging into the accent of uh, Ewan McGregor, or for Star Wars fans, that's Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jim. Um, I was born and raised in Northern Ireland, but I've happily been uh, in Scotland since 2015. It's been a a real joy um, to be doing what we're doing uh, through planting a church and uh, by God's grace, spreading the gospel. Uh, and, and just to say how much of a joy it is for me to be here, coming here feels more like uh, spending time with family rather than visiting a, a partner church. Uh, and, and I and we are continue to be so deeply encouraged uh, by your prayers, your love, your, your support, your generosity. Um, and just had someone come up to us um, after the first service there to just really kindly say that we've been praying for you guys Uh, such an encouragement to us. And I know our people, our church, are just deeply encouraged um, to, to be able to plant the church and to know that you guys have got our back. It is a hugely important and encouraging thing for me and for our church. And so it's such a good thing to be here in the flesh to be able to say to you face to face that we are so thankful to God for Radiant Bible Church. And I'm not just saying that because I have to or because it's the the right thing to say. I'm saying it because from the bottom of my heart, I truly mean it. To be able to plant a church with your support, with the grace of God, is a huge thing for us and and continues to be. And we are so thankful to God for this faith family. And just to remind you guys as well that uh, whether you realize it or not, you, you guys planted a church last October you guys have been a huge part of that. And not just planted a church, but planted a church, as Nick's talked about, really just off the back of COVID. Um, by God's grace, he is at work amongst us. It's My, my uh, privilege to give you a little bit of an update. The, the Lord has really been at work in ways that we could have only ever uh, imagined. Um, we've seen people really experiencing, uh, either for the first time or, or, or anew, the, the love of Jesus. The, the love of a, of a church family. We've seen God's work. Uh, God's Word getting to work on people's hearts um, in ways that has deeply encouraged us. And we've experienced the joy, as you guys do as well, of serving together within the church. And if you were to ask me um, what's one of the main things Jesus has been teaching me, been teaching our church, the people who launched with us over this past year, really the word dependence and trust comes to, to mind very quickly. Dependence, and trust, and as I leave the church for a few weeks and spend time with you guys, there's part of my heart which feels the frailty of that. Um, I know it's in, in good hands; it's in the Lord's hands, right? But um, it's, it's a real, been a real lesson in independence and trust. And few things in my life have felt more out of my hands than planting a church. And as you guys, in many ways, as a church family, uh, move into a fresh chapter for yourselves, your hearts are being reminded in this season of the continued need for our hearts to be defined by dependence and trust, right? And it's not just at church life, it's everyday life. Every day we're faced with the realities, the often harsh realities that life throws at us. We're being faced with whether our hearts are going to trust in God or trust elsewhere. Don't know if you guys use the phrase here, um, being in a safe pair of hands, or speaking about someone as being a safe pair of hands. In, in, in the UK, we talk about uh, soccer, uh, football is the correct term, just in case you didn't know, uh, <laughs> football goalkeepers uh, being a safe pair of hands, or, or maybe uh, for you guys, it would be a, a, a hockey goalie or a, or a wide receiver. I'm just kind of bluffing my way with those. <laughs> or you... Talk about a politician or a business person being a a safe pair of hands, particularly in a season of transition, or we maybe think of more serious life circumstances like going under the the knife of a surgeon. We want our surgeon to be a a, a safe pair of hands. But the reality is that those hands are human hands, right? Those hands are human hands. They, They make mistakes. They can't offer the kind of security that you and I. So desperately need and our hearts long for, especially in deeply difficult circumstances. In Psalm 31 this morning, King David is in deep distress. He's in difficult circumstances. He doesn't just need a safe pair of hands, King David needs saving hands. He doesn't just need good hands, he needs God's hands. So the question for you and me this morning that this text really poses to us is are we entrusting our lives into a safe pair of hands? Are we entrusting our lives, the lives of those around us, our kids, our church family, are we entrusting those into God's hands? And this morning we're being invited based on the real life testimony of David and the historical finished work of Jesus to entrust our lives into God's hands, even in our deepest distresses so that our hearts can take courage. So I'm just gonna read Psalm 31 for us in its entirety. Please follow along with me. Hear the voice of God. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden from me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit, for you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You've known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief. My soul and my body also for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many terror on every side as they scheme together against me as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors make your face shine on your servant save me in your steadfast love O lord let me not be put to shame for i call upon you let the wicked be put to shame let them go silently to show Let the lying lips be mute which speak instantly against the righteousness in pride and contempt oh how abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I've said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Let me just pray for us as we come to think about what these things mean for our everyday lives. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are just, that you are good. And I pray that in these moments, your spirit would work through your word to transform our hearts and our lives that you would help us to hear, that you would give us the grace we need to treasure you to afresh, behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus as we encounter you in your words. Father, would you revive our souls in this moment? And would you by grace help us to treasure these things and to obey them as we go into our week? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first thing we see this morning then is this, I can entrust my life into God's hands. King David here needs a place of safety and of strength in his time of distress. He ultimately needs God. If you look down again, he says, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Refuge there really speaks to a safe place. David needs a safe place to be. Fortress speaks to a strong place. He needs a strong place to entrust his life. He finds himself in the midst of a prolonged and difficult storm. Camping in a tent just not going to cut it. He needs the strength and safety of castle walls. He's under attack from an enemy. He needs a concrete bunker to hide in, crouching under a table, just won't protect him. And verse 4 really reveals the particular reason why David is seeking safety in God. And we'll see him refer to this in more detail in just a moment. Verse 4 tells us that people are after him. They're speaking lies about him, and ultimately they're trying to take his very life. So he cries out to God in verses 1 to 2 based on the character of God in verses 3 to 4. And now he commits his life into the hands of God in verse 5. Spirit there really speaks to the the deepest part of us. David's committing, and he's inviting us along with him to commit the very deepest part of us, our our bodies and our souls, into God's hands. In committing his life into God's hands, he compares himself to those who would entrust their lives to worthless idols. If you look down at verse 6, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. And what the word worthless communicates to you and me this morning is that God isn't just a better option. It's not just a better option on a long list of options. He's the only option. He's the only one we can confidently entrust our lives to. When we lean on and trust in things apart from Him, when we lean on and trust in other things to save us and deliver us, there is ultimately no certainty, no guarantee. No matter how good your goalie is or your wide receiver is, your team can still lose. No matter how competent and smart a politician or a businessman is, a company or country's future is never 100% certain, 100 certain, is it? No matter how skilled a surgeon is, there's still risks involved. No matter how secure your pension fund might feel, in the blink of an eye, global markets can turn all upside down. Jonah 2, verse eight says this, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Placing our ultimate trust in these things robs us of the certain hope that we can have in God. It not only robs God of his worship when we put our trust in being idols, it robs your heart and your life of the certainty and the guarantee of of God, of his steadfast love. That's what it robs us of. But what happens when we do entrust our lives into God's hands? Well, we can with David in verses 7 and 8 confidently anticipate future deliverance. We can with assurance anticipate rejoicing and gladness that verse 7 and 8 talk about. Rejoicing and gladness are grounded in God's steadfast love. God's steadfast love and deliverance. We can confidently anticipate being able to breathe again. That's what verse 8 paints a picture of. Paints a picture of not only being saved or finding safety, but finding space. You ever feel like that in life? Things are just weighing down on you. The pressure's increasing. Life circumstances feel like they're crushing you. You just need space. Room to breathe again. A couple of Uh, Years ago, there was an article uh, in the news in the UK of a teenager who was on holiday on a beach and he had dug himself this huge hole in the sand. He'd taken himself into the sand uh, and uh, tragically, the, the, the sand just crushed in on top of him. And it reminded me of something I used to do as a kid growing up. We used to go to the beach and we used to dig tunnels into the sand dunes so we could crawl into them. And now I realize how foolish that was. But thankfully, they managed to get an airway to him so he could breathe, but it took them over an hour to dig him out. They eventually got him out, but can can you imagine the relief of getting out of a circumstance like that, being able to breathe again, being able to, to not have to feel the weight of the crushing sand on top of you? In life, there will be times when you and I feel like that, right? Trapped, no room, not able to breathe, no one to cry out to. Maybe it's a a prolonged or terminal illness. Maybe it's a long-term relational conflict or relational brokenness. Maybe you feel the sustained pressure for following Jesus in in the workplace or maybe even within your family or friends or in school or in college. Maybe it's a feeling of just utter helplessness when it comes to a child or a friend or a family member who you deeply love and you long to see walk with Jesus, but you just don't know how to keep moving forward with him. Loved ones, the reality for you and me this morning is that we can entrust our lives to God. We can entrust our lives into God's hand. And though deliverance may not come in our timing, that's what verse 24 hints at at the end of the psalm, there's waiting involved. Though deliverance may not come in our timing or in our way, eventually, Distress will turn to deliverance. Eventually, distress will turn to deliverance. We can be certain of that because of Jesus. Distress will turn to deliverance, either in some measure in this life, maybe even by God's grace in significant measure, but certainly in the life to come. God is a safe refuge for those in danger. God is a strong fortress for those who feel weak. God provides a spacious place for those who feel trapped. And the reality for you and me this morning as we read this psalm and as we see David's confidence, right, and we hear the call to trust deep down, we feel, how'd I even get there? I see David's confidence. I don't feel that confident right now. I'm trying to trust, but trying to trust is hardly, it's easy for you to stand up there and just preach, hey, trust in God. But you don't know what's going on in my life. We, if we're honest as well, we, we recognize our trust and our hopes are also so easily placed in, in things that we know can't give us certainty. The reality is we're more like those who put their trust in worthless idols, right? And the idolatry that verse 6 talks about is sinful, it's deserving of God's punishment. And it's a sinfulness that David recognizes in himself in verse 6. 10. And it's also a sinfulness that's true of you and me. So on what basis does David have, do we have to come before God and say, I trust you, hold me in your hands? What is our basis? What is our right? What is our confidence for doing that? Verse 1, in your righteousness. Verse 3, for your name's sake. Verse 5, for you have redeemed me. Verse 7, your steadfast love. Our basis loved ones this morning is the righteousness, the reputation, the covenant love, and redemption of God. That's how distressed people, that's how distressed sinful people can entrust themselves into God's hands. David's assurance came from the covenant commitments and covenant love of God that was made to him that's how he could sing this psalm, with confidence. For you and me, our confidence and assurance comes through the one who fulfilled those covenant promises, who embodies that covenant love, King David's greater son, King Jesus. And it's in his name that you and I can join in and entrust our lives into God's hands. It's through him, It's being united to him by faith that this psalm can become our psalm and that we can sing it with confidence. It's because Jesus, the sinless one, who was surrounded by people who who tried to take his life, right, Who, who spoke lies about him, who nailed him to the cross, where his body and soul were wasted from grief, where he was spent with sorrow, where his strength field who in the darkest moment of his distress and his very death entrusted his life into God's hands for you and me. He entrusted his life into God's hands so that by repentance and faith, you and I, distressed people, distressed sinful people, might know the loving and certain embrace of the hands of God. That's what he's done for us. Luke 23, verse 46, really is the fulfillment of this psalm. Jesus says on the cross, calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last. Loved ones, this morning, if your faith is already in Jesus, you don't need to get yourself into God's hands. You already are. You already are and even though your trust might waver and feel weak at times, because of Jesus, God will never let you go. He will never let you go. The message of Psalm 31 is not firstly to trust harder. Okay, sometimes we read the Psalms that way. We don't, and it's like, oh, okay, I've gotta trust trust harder, trust more. That's, that's what I've gotta do now. Yes, we are to trust. It's not firstly to trust harder and do what David did, the good news of Psalm 31 is what Jesus has already done for you. And when we look to him in faith, our trust will strengthen. Our trust will increase. Our trust strengthens not by just trying to muster up inside of ourselves, but by looking outside of ourselves to Jesus, and by joyfully meditating on what is already true of us. That's the call of verses one to eight, to entrust our lives into God's hand. Now David goes deeper uh, in these next bunch of verses, deeper into the distress that he's experiencing, a distress really, which takes him to a place of, of dependence and trust. So I can entrust my life into God's hands, secondly, even in my deepest distress. He now circles back to what he's already alluded to in verses four to seven, and really we find a man here who is just in utter distress. He's under attack. If you look down with me, verse nine, it's The distress is physical as well as spiritual. His body and bones waste away. He's failing. He's weak. Verse 10, it's prolonged. My life is spent with sorrow. My years with sighing and groaning. He feels isolated and hated. Verse 11, even by those who are supposed to be closest to him not just some random person he's never met before, those who are supposed to be closest to him he feels isolated and hated by. He feels forgotten in verse 12, like one who is dead. He feels broken, feels like a broken vessel. He feels shattered. He feels like his life maybe is beyond repair. Do you feel like that this morning? He feels in danger, verse 13, under attack. He describes himself almost as a, as a victim of a terror attack. Maybe that resonates with your life right now. The deep distress in your life has not only left your heart feeling heavy, but your very body also. Maybe what you're going through is prolonged. The groaning isn't going away. Maybe you feel isolated and hated by those around you. Maybe even those who are closest to you. Maybe even those who are the ones who are supposed to love you and protect you. Lies and accusations are maybe being spoken to you or about you. You feel forgotten, broken. You feel your life is just too far gone. It's beyond repair. Perhaps it's even more than just a stress. Maybe your very life is being threatened. Maybe in the past you have experienced, either in the past or even now in the present, evil and lies at the hand of someone close to you. Someone who has pushed you to the point of distress that David feels in these verses. The hope of Psalm 31 is that God sees what you're going through. He knows your distress. He can deliver you. His son Jesus came to earth and experienced the evil of human sin, of my sin, of your sin. So if you think that no one around you can't relate to what you're going through, or no one around you can't help you, he can. He found shelter and safety and deliverance when he entrusted himself into God's hands. That's how you can find that. And maybe you were that person on the other side of that. You were the the schemer, the liar, the plotter the terrorizer, or you are that person right now, Jesus died for you too. Forgiveness is available for you too. If you would just turn from your sinful way of life and trust in Jesus. Maybe you hear that or you read this psalm as often we sometimes do with the the Psalms, and we find it hard to relate to the despair or the distressing circumstances there, right? You think to yourself, man, I I had a nice lie in this morning. I I slept in, I didn't set the alarm clock. In in Scotland, we call that a long lie. I'm going home to a a nice dinner in in a warm house. Life is pretty breezy right now. I'll probably switch on the the Titans and Colts game this afternoon. I can't really relate to what's, what's going on here right now. But David's distress foreshadows Jesus' distress. That's what we saw in Luke 23, wasn't it? And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, then the distress he went through was for you, in love. So it does apply to you. It should move you. It should create humility and thankfulness within us And we are called as His followers, aren't we, to share in His sufferings, which is something we do, not isolated or alone, but as part of the church. Let me remind you this morning that the Psalms are not solos. They are not solo songs. They're corporate. If you look at the heading of this Psalm, it's to the choir master. You sing. You are part of a choir. You are part of Christ's church. So just because you might not fully resonate with what's going on in these verses, doesn't mean those around you don't. And maybe not locally, but think globally. We're part of a global church, right? There are Christians around the globe who are literally being terrorized and attacked for their faith. So if it isn't part of your personal testimony right now, it may be one day, but it's certainly part of this church's, the global church's testimony. And the good news is that this testimony doesn't end with everyone's against me. It's a testimony that moves to a place of God's got me. If you look down at verses 14 to 16, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. When you and I Are in a place of deep distress, with confidence and with certainty, we can trust the Lord. We can say with confidence and assurance, my times are in your hand. Every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade, your eternity. They are in his hands if we are in Christ. And that reality that our times are in God's hands is is really a, a universal truth. We are all humans created by God and live in his world. So whether we recognize it or not, or choose to acknowledge Jesus, all life is in the hands of the creator. But for those who are united to Jesus by faith, It's not just an expression of raw truth, it's an expression of eternal trust. My times are in your loving, sovereign, covenant-keeping, promise-fulfilling hands. And his hands are also just hands. In Jesus, God has forgiven the evil within us, but he does not turn a blind eye to the evil around us. If you look down at verses 17 and 18, David goes to God in order to deal with the injustice and evil that is present in his life, and so can we. A desire to see lies and evil and injustice dealt with in our lives and in this world is not at odds with loving our enemies. So with humility and honesty about our own hearts and lives of where we sin, with honesty and humility, we too can appeal to God and entrust God to deal with the evil and injustice toward us and around us. And Jesus sets the example for that, doesn't he? First Peter 2, 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So we can entrust our lives into God's hands, his safe, secure, loving, just hands, even in our deepest distress, so that our heart can take courage. That's the third thing we see here. Verse 24, if you look down, this is where, this is where we can get to. This is not impossible. This is where we can get to, by God's grace, through the work of the Spirit in our hearts. We can get to a place where we entrust our lives into God's hands. We can go from a heart that is heavy and in deep distress to a heart that takes courage. It doesn't mean our distresses will disappear overnight, but our hearts can get to a place of courage. And in fact, David is so certain and confident that he speaks in verses 19 to 23 here as he's spoken already at the beginning of the psalm as if his deliverance has already happened. That's how confident he is. So how can he, how can we, how is it possible to have a heart that takes courage like this? It's possible because God is good to us. God is good to me. Verse 19, oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. God has an abundance. He's not stingy. God has an abundance of goodness stored up for us when we fear Him. Really fear and trust go together. A right fear of the Lord orders our hearts appropriately so that we would trust Him. We're reminded here that there's no shortage of God's goodness. You've maybe seen it in the headlines, but in the the UK with all that's been going on in the world and particularly with what's going on in Europe with war, in the UK there's a very real kind of tension and fear around shortage of supply, particularly around fuel, and that's reflected in the the cost of living. Maybe you guys are starting to feel that here as well. And the government has already warned us that there could be blackouts in, in the winter at the highest points of demand for gas. So there's a, a very real, tangible sense of, of fear that there's going to be a, a shortage. And we feel that in so many areas of life, don't we? But there is no shortage of God's goodness. It's stored up for you. It's not going to expire. It's not going anywhere. It's available to you right now. It will never run out Nothing can stop its supply, ever. God is good to me. God covers me, verse 20. He covers us with His personal presence. He will protect us. The plans and plots of evil, they can harm us in an earthly sense, but in an eternal sense, they can never overwhelm us. No matter how much lies is spoken to us or against us, it cannot threaten our eternal safety or status. God is good to me, God covers me, God loves me. Verse 21, look down, blessed be the Lord for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. In the most difficult of circumstances, he shows wondrously his steadfast love towards me. Even when life feels like we're locked up, we're in a besieged city, no way out, trapped, we can still know that love. He's good to me. He covers me. He loves me. He hears me, verse 22. Even when we feel like God has cut us off, God, why aren't you listening to my cries for help? Why don't you hear me? Why aren't you doing something? He hears you. He hears your cries for help. He always hears the cries of his beloved children. Make no mistake about that. He sees you. He hears you. And then he keeps us. God is good to me. He covers me. He loves me. He hears me. And he keeps me. He turns, David now turns to all of us in verses 23 to 24 and really calls here for the response to what. All being said, verse 23 to 24, if you look down, love the Lord, all you his saints. That's you and me. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Friends, loved ones, our hope and assurance as we wait for deliverance from the distresses of this life, Whether that happens now or whether it happens when we enter eternity, our hope and assurance is this, verse 23, he will keep you. He will preserve you. His hands will never let you go. Therefore, we can entrust our lives into his hands even in your deepest of distresses so that your heart can take courage. Let me encourage you to meditate on these things personally, to memorize these things, to embed them in your heart by the Spirit, to, to pray these things into your present distress. If you don't know what to say or how to say it, you can use this, Psalm. You can do that with other people. You can pray together as the saints. Verse 24, you don't respond to this in isolation. You don't have to respond to this alone. You respond as those who are part of the church. Don't do this alone, loved ones. Don't go through the deepest distresses, any distress, any season of life alone. Pray together. Speak these things into the lives of those who are in your church family, your family, your friends. They need to hear these things. Declare these things to people who don't know Jesus. Even though people might not act like it sometimes, they don't want to hear about this, they don't want to hear about Jesus or faith, ultimately their hearts need and long for these kind of concrete, eternal truths. Don't be shy in in sharing these things. These are truths to cling on to and truths for your heart and my heart to take courage in because in Jesus, there are truths that are already true of you because of Jesus we can say with Jesus into your hand I commit my spirit I trust in you O Lord my times are in your hand let me pray for us Father, we're so grateful for your steadfast love that transcends any distress we might go through. Father, help us in our weakness and waywardness of heart to trust in you. By your Spirit, would you, afresh this morning, cause our hearts and our minds to look to Jesus, to see how he trusted you, and how we now, united to him by faith, are in your hands. Would you comfort us? Would you encourage us? And would you cause our hearts this morning to take courage? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.